Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. NATO may get two new members. Finland's government said on Sunday that it intends to join the military alliance NATO, a move that will shift it away from decades of neutrality. And its neighbor country Sweden is expected to follow suit. Russia has called Finland's move a grave mistake, saying there are no threats to Finland's security from Russia. Why are these two Nordic countries taking steps to join NATO now? What would be the security impact for Europe? and more chances for peace or greater risks of war. Welcome to this special edition of The Opinion Show with me, Lu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. I'm pleased to be joined from Lund, Sweden, by Professor Jan Oberg, who is research director from the Transnational Foundation for Peace and Future Research, an independent think tank promoting the UN Charter norm of making peace by peaceful means. Uh, I'm also pleased to to be joined from Berlin, Germany, by Professor Jurich Bruckner of uh, Stanford University in Berlin, from Washington, D.C., by Michael O'Hanlon, Foreign Policy Senior Fellow and Director of Research at uh, Brookings Institution, from Bangkok, Thailand, by Brian Berletic, a geopolitical analyst who used to serve in the U.S. Marine Corps, and last but not least, from the outskirts of Moscow, by Professor Yuri Tavrovsky, a Russian Political commentator, gentlemen, welcome to this special edition of The Point. As I said, Finland and Sweden are considering to join, to apply, and Finnish President Shaolin Nistel and Prime Minister Sanna Marin announced on Sunday that Finland intends to apply for NATO membership. This will mark a major shift, as I said, in their decades-long uh, policy of neutrality. Let's not forget that Finland has a border of uh, over 1,300 kilometers with Russia. So I want to go to Mr. O'Hanlon first. Uh, what do you think has prompted Finland to want to join NATO membership now and do you think their concerns are legitimate at this moment? Greetings and yes I do think the concerns are legitimate and I think the prompt simply is Vladimir Putin's unprovoked aggression against Ukraine. It, it would have been one thing if Putin had continued the sort of low-scale or gray area kind of conflict or limited conflict we've seen since 2014, where, of course, he seized Crimea and then stoked uh, separatist violence in eastern Ukraine in the Donbass region. And personally, even though I never approved any of that, of course, I understood it at some level. And I think the Finns and Swedes understood it in some sense, too, uh, because, of course, we had a controversial decision by NATO to promise that someday Ukraine would be welcomed into the alliance, even though we know how close historically Ukraine and Russia have always been and how much strategically it would be in some ways concerning to many Russians, not just Vladimir Putin, if in fact Ukraine were in NATO. So that helps explain the, the low scale conflict or aggression. And I think the Finns and Swedes felt for many years that they could sort of best manage these kinds of problems with Russia by staying neutral. But the unprovoked, blatant overland invasion of Russia, uh, by, uh, of Ukraine by Russia, starting February 24th, changes things entirely. And it suggests there's a greater anger and a greater recklessness in the mind of Vladimir Putin in particular than previously appreciated. And I think that makes the Finns and Swedes feel that the previous strategy is no longer adequate. Uh, so I'm afraid that whatever historical 
tendency they had or belief they had that they could sort of manage the Russian bear through this balancing act was destroyed by Putin's decision to invade a neighboring country and kill tens of thousands of people in the process, people he said were his brothers and sisters. So that kind of recklessness, I think, changes things understandably for the Nordic countries. All right, let me go to um, Professor Oberg. Let me go to Yan. How do you look at uh, Michael's assessment just now that it's the unprovoked invasion of Ukraine that changed the minds of a lot of people in Finland and Sweden, prompting them to want to join NATO now? Well, I distance myself completely and have written about it also why this should not have happened, this invasion of Ukraine. So we disagree nothing on that. But I think that a decent intellectual academic analysis would ask if Russia is responsible for the war, which it is in Ukraine, who is responsible for the underlying conflict? And the underlying conflict is very simple. If you followed history, when the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact fell apart uh, 30 years ago, all important Western leaders promised Russia not to expand one inch to the east. And now you have 10 or 11 or soon 12 members who are newly expanded members of NATO. And so NATO has been totally autistic vis-a-vis uh, -vis all the warnings from Gorbachev over Yeltsin. Yeltsin exploded in the face of Clinton early in the 90s. And Putin's speech in, um, in uh, Munich and his trials last autumn to get some kind of dialogue with the West about stop it somewhere. You go to any American or Western leaders, intellectual leaders, Kissinger, Brzezinski, Mearsheimer, George Kennan, everybody has warned against this expansion. So calling that unprovoked is part of a propaganda thing that fits NATO. And I deplore somebody who says it's unprovoked because if you have a slightest empathy, there is something to be concerned about if you sit in Moscow. Uh, that said, I wrote 30 years ago that NATO ought to have been closed down because the raison d'etre of NATO disappeared with the disappearance of the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact. So the very least we could have done was to create a new security system, let Russia into that system as Russia has repeatedly wanted to be part of NATO or some kind of European security system and peacemaking system. Gorbachev the first to suggest it. And now we are where we are, because there's no limits to what NATO thinks it can do. And I think it's very, it's very sad that we are there because those paying the price, are, of course, are Ukraine's civilian innocent people, other people, the economy in the West, the economy of Russia. And we are now going to see, we're seeing this panic reaction by uh, Sweden and Finland, because one thing is to invade Ukraine, which is about the NATO expansion. It, it's a totally different thing to invade, you know, Sweden or Finland. I don't understand how anybody can compare the two. All right, let me go to Professor Bruckner for your opinion, because up to now, uh, even some Finnish senior officials have acknowledged that there are, they have not been threats, direct threats from Russia, and there are no direct threats from Russia to Finland. So why wanting to join NATO now? Professor Bruckner. Well, it is not so much a question of a direct threat against Finland or a territorial conflict or a dispute with Finland and Sweden and Russia. It is the mindset of the collapse of the Soviet Union as the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century and something that needs to be restored as a new European security balance of power 
is what concerns people in the West, and that includes Sweden and Finland. If Putin thinks in buffer zones and in legitimate concerns about the security of Russia, it implies that NATO is an aggressor and that NATO is planning to invade Russia. And if you think about Finland and Sweden, no country could be further distant to such a thinking. But if their reaction to what is happening in Ukraine makes them feel weak and they try to buffer their weakness by joining a security alliance, then it's perfectly legitimate. And it's ironic that it's a counter reaction to the expressed security concerns that Putin expressed how he sees NATO. But NATO is not a monster. NATO is not growing like cancer and colonializes countries. As we can see in the practical case of small countries like Sweden and Finland, to seek security and protection. That's their version of the story. And apparently we have different realities that clash. And I can only agree what has been said before, that the best possible solution would be a diplomatic one in which both realities are put into something like a multilateral order, which is very different from using force against other countries. All right. I see Professor Tavrovsky already laughing just now. Clearly, you seem to have very different opinion. What is your reaction? What is your stand on this issue? Well, I think that uh, Finland and Sweden uh, made a really big mistake in joining the third European crusade against Russia. The first crusade was Napoleonic Wars, when all, almost all European nations sent their troops and gave their armaments to Napoleon to march to Russia and to take Moscow. And uh, that crusade ended uh, in a very big uh, failure. The second European crusade against Russia was headed by Hitler's Germany, when for the second time, other European nations pretended first to, to oppose Hitler, but then helped Hitler, sending their troops, sending their armaments to Hitler. Yeah, we all know that uh, Czech-made tanks, Tatra, were used by Hitler. And speaking of Finland, Finland also joined Hitler. And Finnish troops took part in the blockade of Leningrad. Now it's called St. Petersburg. The northern flank of the blockade was, uh, was uh, with the Finnish soldiers. And in Finland, there were special concentration camps for Russians, including children. And they were put to death in those camps. So in Finland, in other uh, European nations, there is a great tradition of Russophobia. And I think that uh, this time uh, NATO, uh, uh, NATO enlargement uh, is based on this Russophobia. And Americans are exploiting those feelings and they are uh, building, let's say, a great anti-Russian uh, wall, just like uh, uh, great China wall. They are building great Russia wall. And now it is stretches from the north to the south, with the only exception of Ukraine. They wanted to also to include Ukraine into this wall. And uh, 
by, uh, by the means of this uh, to surround Russia. And uh, as for these two small European nations, um, tactically speaking, uh, there is no big deal because Swedish army is 20,000 men. Finnish army is 34,000 men. And uh, uh, it will take uh, a Russian division to deal with uh, those uh, uh, armed forces. But strategically, it's important because they are northern countries. And America has a so-called Arctic doctrine. They want to control uh, Arctic and uh, those countries like uh, Norway, Finland okay. and Swedish are very important. Okay, I get your point. Um, let me move on to our fifth guest, uh, Mr. Berletic. Um, Brian, joining us from Bangkok. Do you think, given the kind of uh, rounds after rounds of NATO expansion, do you think this is the latest round of NATO expansion towards uh, Russia, but not including Russia? Is this a right move, a move in the right direction in your eyes? It is not. And uh, NATO expansion is always framed by those in favor of it as a function of uh, a nation's sovereign choice to join NATO. But we saw what happened when nations, the US and its partners desired to absorb into NATO when they refused to do this, say Ukraine before 2014. What was, what was the course of action? It was color revolution. It was the overthrow of the elected government of Ukraine in 2014 and the installation of a client regime into power that would choose to join NATO, the EU, sabotage its relationship with Russia, and uh, become a belligerent toward Russia. The idea that Russia just woke up one day and decided to go into Ukraine uh, demands that we ignore history, ignore the expansion of NATO up until now, and not just the expansion of NATO up to Russia's borders, uh, often through course of regime change, but also NATO's and, and NATO members' wars of aggression around the globe, sweeping away uh, Soviet allies, old Soviet allies, allies of the Russian Federation. We could think of the war in Libya. That's a country that has been totally destroyed by NATO. Uh, the war in Afghanistan. NATO is an organization engaged in aggression. And Russia sees that, they understand that, and they are trying to take action to preserve their national sovereignty. And if we just imagine this turned the other way around, uh, Russia or China uh, building a belligerent proxy in North America on America's borders, what, what would the reaction be? I think we could all uh, appreciate that the U.S. would not accept that, and yet Russia is supposed to accept what the U.S. and its allies are doing in Europe right now. Okay, I think, um, Michael, you might want to react to that because that says uh, something or that challenges the fundamental premise of your answer that the war in Ukraine that was launched uh, at the end of February was totally unprovoked. And I think uh, Brian talked about the underlying issues that led to that war. I wonder what will be your reaction. And also um, something that that's both said by the Finnish president and the Swedish prime minister is that um, they are facing a fundamentally changed security environment in Europe. I, I wonder what is your take if that fundamentally changed security environment in Europe is the reality and whether that merits exp 
expanding the military alliance that is late, that is NATO? Yeah, a lot to discuss. Uh, right. First of all, you, my colleagues are certainly correct that, and I agree, that the Russian interpretation of NATO expansion has been offensive and provocative. So I concede that point. And in fact, I was always a critic and a skeptic of NATO expansion, especially to Ukraine and Georgia, especially the idea that was, as you know, proposed in 2008, because it was bound to make Russians feel in some sense, if not necessarily militarily threatened, at least psychologically and strategically dismissed. However, to compare the expansion of NATO to the Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union is absolutely absurd and frankly offensive. And, and it blurs the line between something that can be historically understood to bother Russians and something that is now being used to justify a war that has killed tens of thousands of people already. That was Vladimir Putin's choice. I think it was his choice personally. I don't blame the Russian people, but I do think that President Putin went from being angry and anxious about NATO expansion, which are sentiments that I can understand, even if I don't agree, I can understand them, to then using this as a pretext to launch a blatant war of aggression against his own brothers and sisters that he says have such historical roots in common with him that we should have known in the West not to expand NATO to include that country. That's where his behavior is unacceptable. And that's where, yes, it has changed the security environment fundamentally. I agree that the invasion of Ukraine is not analogous to a hypothetical aggression against Finland or Sweden. But let's remember, if we want to talk about history, the Soviet Union did invade Finland in 1939 aggressively and without any kind of justification. So let me conclude by saying, yes, we can debate whether there's a provocation uh, by the Western decision to expand NATO, but there is not a justification for this Russian attack on its neighbor. I see, again, I started my earlier comment by saying, I understand why President Putin would have taken earlier measures to try to push back against the idea of Ukraine joining. Uh, I understand that, but that's different from a blatant attack militarily that has involved hundreds of thousands of people on both sides now and caused already tens of thousands of fatalities. That's where Russia has gone too far, has used this historical sense of, of victimhood to now lash out aggressively, violently, and lethally. And let's also remember, and I'll finish on this point, my colleague in Thailand wants to argue that colored revolutions produced uh, Ukraine's government that wanted to join NATO. Uh, we can debate colored revolutions, but there's no debating that the vast uh, preponderance of countries that have wanted to join NATO since the Cold War ended did so on their own volition, by their own choice, because they see this alliance as a desirable place to reside in strategic terms. I do agree, historically, that we probably should have rethought uh, the NATO expansion concept. And again, I was never in favor of the way it was done. But the countries that are in it wanted to join it. And the former Warsaw Pact countries, the former Soviet Baltic republics, they wanted to join it. And their own democratic processes produced governments that asked to join. Personally, I am not in favor of the way the expansion process has gone. But let's bear in mind, it has not been violent. It has not been orchestrated in Washington, and it does not pose a military threat to Russia, analogous in any way, shape, or form to Napoleon or Hitler. 
Professor Bruckner, what is your view of uh, the potential consequences of Finland and Sweden joining the NATO on the security situation in Europe? Is it going to make Europeans safer? Well, the situation in Europe is certainly not safer, but I think it's unfair to blame Sweden and Finland if they seek a higher security level for them as countries that had all the reasons to be neutral and lived in their neutrality and served what has been said before, a buffer zone. And now they see that being a buffer doesn't help you even if you formally claim that you are a neutral country, because if international agreements and international law is not respected, then it can be dangerous for you any time, which means that their conclusion is joining NATO, even if it comes with a high price, improves their security situation, which is different from the security situation in Europe as a whole, because it is a very different calculation from the Russian side to attack a NATO member or to just do what it can do in Ukraine. And that is the simple difference between the world before the 24th of February and the world after the war started there. And if anyone could count as a buffer and it needs to be changed, as it has been said before that the Soviets invaded uh, Finland in 1939, all these consequences that come for the buffer leads to the conclusion that we better seek more security. And that is Article 5 and NATO's guarantee that an attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. And I don't think that anyone in Sweden or in Finland would have liked the new situation before the war started in Ukraine, but now they are pushed in that situation. And as sad as it is and unstable as the new situation is, it could even spread as a consequence beyond Europe that countries that think, well, if I have a rising power in my neighborhood that thinks the same in Asia or in Africa, things could also spread in that rationale. And I better seek a security alliance, even if it's not North Atlantic. And so that makes the whole world more insecure because it's not a territorial conflict between Russia and Ukraine. It's geopolitics. Okay, Yuri, please. Uh, so um, I, I think we can uh, predict what will happen with Sweden and Finland in the near future. They'll share the destiny of three Baltic republics Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, who joined uh, European Union and then NATO. So uh, those two countries will become as insignificant as those three countries. Uh, American armaments will pour in Sweden and Finland. There'll be NATO bases with possible nuclear arms stationed there. Uh, I think that some uh, industries, profitable industries in both Finland and Sweden, will be destroyed because of their competitors of American uh, companies. Uh, that's all. Uh, Russia doesn't uh, want to attack those two countries as it doesn't want to attack Lithuania, Estonia and Latvia. It's all right. Uh, no big deal. That's why uh, Putin was so calm when he was speaking with uh, President Nieliste of uh, Finland. We have accustomed to have enemies on our borders and we know how to deal with them. 
So does that mean that the tension will be higher? I mean, right now, someone has made you a bigger enemy than you really are. I mean, from the Russian perspective, does it mean that the relationship will be more tense from now on? Uh, just, just a little bit, because uh, we are adults and we understand that we have only one actual enemy. This is America. All other European nations, all other NATO nations are just uh, foot soldiers. They're taking orders and uh, their commander is in Washington, D.C. Brian, your take. Um, and also some people are saying, look, um, Finland and Sweden are sovereign countries. They should have the right to make sovereign decisions like joining a military bloc. What is your take? That is what they say. But of course, we know the United States exerts all types of pressure, uh, uses all forms of coercion. Ukraine in 2014 is the perfect example. And then I, I would just like to point out that Russia did not start a war at the end of February. They entered into the middle of an ongoing war. Uh, Ukraine was in no way at that, that time a buffer zone. It was already being militarized and it was already in, in the act of aggression. It was killing its own people in Eastern Ukraine, right, right on Russia's doorstep. I, can, can anyone explain what would be a greater security risk to Russia short of all of that crossing over the border. Uh, and Sweden and Finland, they will not be any safer inside NATO. I keep hearing about Article 5. Uh, Russia had no designs on going into Finland or Sweden, but now as members of NATO, they will be brought along with all of NATO's wars of aggression. So instead of uh, Sweden and Finland remaining neutral, now their soldiers are going to be sent overseas thousands of miles from their own shores to go die in some senseless war, maybe somewhere in mm. Central Asia, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, and their treasuries will be bled dry as well. So uh, safer? I don't think so. I think they'll be uh, in the middle of a war when otherwise they wouldn't have been. Uh, and okay. instead of dying on their own lands, they'll be dying on foreign lands. All right. Time has gone up. Uh, we have to leave it there. It's a very controversial issue. More discussion will be merited, but uh, that's all the time we have. And many thanks to Michael O'Hanlon joining us from Washington, D.C., from Brookings Institution. Professor Bruckner from uh, Berlin joining us from Stanford University in Berlin. Professor Jan Oberg joining us from Lund, Sweden, from the Transnational Foundation for Peace and Future Research. Brian Berletic is a geopolitical analyst joining us from Bangkok, Thailand, a former U.S. Marine Corps member and Professor Yuri Tavrovsky joining us from the outskirts of Moscow. With that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Liu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point.